into the area. Janček, stab through, chance, shot, goal! Full stop! Unbelievable scenes at the end for the derby! Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club, still unbeaten and now providing us with scintillating football to get us through the weekend. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined this week just by Mark Donaldson, just the two of us. Ah, oh, just the two of us. I refuse to break into song because I cannot sing. Just the two um, of us. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, neither can you. Uh, McGowan's <laughs> back in Scotland, but he's a regular guest. He's not an every week guest. He's a regular guest. Neither are you. And he's flown... What's that? Neither are you. I've missed one of 152. <laughs> Come on now. Um, he's, he's flown back to see to see the family. So it would be a wee bit cruel of us to say, look, I know you're only here for three days, but can you spend a couple of hours with us? So, yeah, you, you and me, but a good one to look back on because that was a... A really good result and an excellent performance at the weekend against Livingston. Indeed, a fantastic win for Hearts on Saturday. We will review the match against Livingston, discuss the, I guess the big talking points from that. We will also look ahead to this coming weekend's game against Motherwell, and we're going to have a little flashback, a little throwback as we go down memory lane and look at another match from the past against this weekend's opponents. This is where you go, okay, first up, I'm going to I'm going to interject here. Without trying to be rude, I apologise <laughs> if that came across as being rude. Um, <laughs> but we were talking before we came on air about what to call this. And um, we, we kind of went with maroon memories or something like but that. But we're, we're not at that bit yet. No, no, I know, I know, I know. But I, while I've got this in my head, I just thought about something we could do going forward called maroon memories. Tits that have played for hearts. <laughs> Or so, just though, sorry, I don't know where that came from, and 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 that's not very nice. And as 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 I've been told many times over the years, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. But maroon memories just brings up a connotation of just players that have played for Hearts that we haven't really liked very much. But again, that's um that's off on a tangent straight off the bat. I've interrupted you. I've been rude. I apologise. On you go. That's okay. It's like that. Um, it's like that account. Yeah, what's it? Footballers with tits. You know the guy who just. <laughs> no, no, what? Oh, you you must have seen this. No, I'm more concerned that you have. Oh, it's very popular. People order them all the time. So, oh come on, there's there's People an account. Order what all the time? So he does artwork, but he creates oh, it's drawings. Not yeah. that come round to your house with. With footballers with breasts, no? No, no, he just makes footballers oh! have breasts. Why? I don't know, but I just went on his account just now, so 30,000 followers, and people buy, like, merchandise. No, at which point do you come up with that idea? How much drink have you had to have had consumed before thinking, you know what, I've got this idea that might end up getting 30,000 followers on social media. I could put breasts on footballers. There you go, you... If if you don't believe me, go to Twitter well, and find you. at footballers with, and it's 
Footballers with Tits. Or you can go on their website, footballerswithtits.com. Could you imagine if our first sponsors were them? Try and get... <laughs> no. Does this does this mean that we have to end up with one of these little E um, things beside our name for explicit? Or does does that not kind of count towards naughtiness? There's always a couple of tits on this show, isn't there? Well, exactly. <laughs> and, we, we, yeah, when McGowan's on, nah, you see, he's... He, he usually kind of provides. We'll knock that sense out of him over yeah. time. It'll be um, not, it'll be total recall tits before you know it. A t- trio. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> God. Yeah. Anyway. What was it? Mar- maroon mammary. Yeah. Wish I never right. brought it up. Let's move on. Okay, away from the tits and onto the football. Um, Heart Middleton against Livingston. Let's have a quick Goodness listen back gracious, to the goals from the weekend. The breast of the weekend. Hey! Here's Barry Mackay. Lovely drop of the shoulder from Barry Mackay, who now drives forward, taking on Penrice, clips it into the box. Cochran at the back post. Cuts it back. Michael Smith shot. Great finish! Unbelievable. And Michael Smith curls in his first of the season. Back from injury, left-footed. A lovely finish from the Hearts defender after great work on the right from Barry Mackay. And it's Hart to Midlothian ahead. Hearts 1, Livingston 0. Boyce steps up, scores, and Hearts double their advantage with 12 and a half minutes left in the first half. Liam Boyce sends the goalkeeper the wrong way and scores goal number 9 of the season. Hart to Midlothian 2, Livingston 0. Deep inside the Livy half, looks for Armand Nongdwie. Flicks it inside, ricochets to Barry Mackay, into the box, drives it across the area, no takers, back post Cochrane! Hearts three to the good, and surely means all of those three points are staying in Gorgie. It's the lively Barry Mackay yet again who drills it across the box, and it's a first goal in Maroon for Alex Cochrane sliding it in on the angle. Hearts three, Livingston nil. Right, so that was Hearts 3, Livingston 0 on Saturday afternoon. Robbie Nielsen side keeping up their impressive start to the new season. Uh, first up, let's have a look at the team, Mark. Um, first thing to note, you jinxed birthday boy John Suter by <laughs> saying last week you were certain he was going to grab a goal. You had a feeling I about it. I certain. Come on, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, create Chris Sutton mode. How dare you! Yeah. I don't know why Chris Sutton suddenly became Scottish. No, I wasn't certain. I just said it'd be nice if I thought he would score on his on his birthday. And then we got the team news that was like, "Whoa, where is he?" Yes, I, honestly, not in. See, see when see when you read the, the, this is like Angry Hearts Twitter. Next, even if if you're bored right now, right, while you're listening to us, just go onto the Hearts Twitter account. <laughs> Hopefully right, not too bored. Ser- no, but you can do you can multitask. Um, search comments. Under every um, team announcement, like 145 prior to a game, and I don't know if it's just the angries that go on, the yahoos or or, or what, um, that post the negative stuff. But there's always one or two. It's like when it looks here, what's going on with you? <laughs> That's my wife's impersonation of me, which is pretty apt, uh, pretty apt. Um, yeah, no, 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 no suitor. 
just because he was hurt. He, he was into not, no malice. It's all right. Just calm down. But that can be entertaining. I mean, five minutes after the team gets posted on Twitter by the official Hearts account, there's a lot of nonsense on there and a lot of vitriol. And and, and that's going to lead to something. Remind me this. I'm not going to kind of go ahead because I'm, I'm bad at that, kind of fast forwarding before we've even <laughs> got to the team selection. But remind me to talk about the Hearts fans. Certainly a very small minority of them, but in the first 10 minutes of the game, please. And those who were rather unhappy at what they were seeing. But before all that, yeah, we've got uh, we've got team news um, to, to discuss. <laughs> team news. It's not really news anymore, is it? I mean, the, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> the game was like three or four days ago. Uh, yeah, John Suter was out. Apparently, just a minor knock, a precaution that he was kept That's out. Right. Nothing to be too worried about. Uh, the other changes to the side that drew two-two with Ross County: Gary Mackay, Stephen, and Armong Nongdwie dropped yep. out. And then came Alex Cochran, uh, Michael Smith back fit, and Cammy Devlin making his first start for Hearts, who returned to a 3-4-3 formation. Gordon and goals, Kingsley Halkett and Taylor Moore, the back three. Michael Smith and Alex Cochran returning as the wing-backs. Cammy Devlin alongside Benny Beningamy, and in attack, Ben Woodburn and Barry Mackay supporting Liam Boyce. Uh, Pretty happy with the starting eleven. Obviously, would have liked Suter to be fit and playing, but apart from that, I think it's the team that most people would have chosen. Well, a couple of things. Gary McKay, Stephen, we said last week, would this be one that he would have to start from the bench? The answer was yes. Uh, Barry McKay, what what is his position? Well, it's coming in off the right-hand side. And it's my Atalanta formation. It's my Atalanta formation with wing-backs that get forward and support and get on target, both of them scoring. Mm-hmm. Finally, and we have our central midfield, finally, which I think will be our first choice going forward, unless there's injury or suspension. And I think that central midfield will make us a lot of money going forward. And I want to go back. I, I, I hate when I drop a mistake or, or something like that. I'm not one of those that just lets it go and hope no one sees it. It was either last week or the week before. I spoke about Benny Beningham. I spoke about players um, at heart's. I think it was when Ryan was on and we were talking about values, player values, and I said none of them belong to Hearts. And I totally forgot that Benny <laughs> Benningamy, of course, is not on loan from Everton. We did sign He's him. also not a name that you can say quickly. <laughs> have you noticed, like, I, I've, I've, I've now started to have to say his name quite slowly because quite a few people, Jimmy especially, tries to say it quickly. Benny Benningamy, Benny Benningamy, gets gets lost. <laughs> It's just a name that you have to kind of, you have to be quite deliberate. Yeah, yeah. But they're going to make us a lot of money if they continue. You know what it's like. One swallow doesn't make a summer, and suddenly they're worth billions of of Greek drachma and Kuwaiti dinars or or whatever. But that I think he, I think they're both going to enjoy playing alongside each other. And I think most importantly, from our perspective as supporters, we are going to enjoy watching them. I mean, that's that's proper. There's proper energy in there. Yeah. And, <laughs> so I think I'm, I'm, I'm at two tangents already, so I may as well make it three. Um, with, rega- with regards to um, difference of words and meanings in this country and others, and there is a, a tenuous link here because Cammy Devlin is Australia. I was commentating on an Australian uh, female tennis player um, many years ago. 
uh, for ESPN, and I, I, she was everywhere. It wasn't such a thing as a lost cause, and I called her a pocket rocket. A pocket rocket over here is something very different. But now <laughs> that I'm sending this link to my mother every week, um, it's okay, mum. It's nothing rude, <laughs> honestly. It is rude, but don't tell my mum. Um, but the energy of, of Devlin and, and Benigni, they, they were everywhere. Mark's and, pocket rocket. Could I call it that? This episode. Well, you, you could, because it doesn't mean anything in the UK. I mean, but over here, oh my goodness, it's, it's rude. But I didn't know. Explain to me. What is it? It's something that... <laughs> that no, I won't. I know what it is. It's a, it's a family show. It's a family show. But but De- Dev- Devlin and, and Beningamy, um, they, they got around. They really covered the ground. And earlier in the season, we were talking about um, a kind of a 7-3, not formation, but defensive players and, and attacking players. So what's really changed with, with that? Well, there's a few things that have changed. Um, it's definitely the three centre-backs, and the two kind of holders are now both defensive and attacking players, and the wing-backs are getting forward. So this is what we've been trying to do. And I still think, I thought it was interesting, Laurie, that Robbie Nielsen's comments today when he spoke to Barry at the Evening News, he felt they played better at Ross County going forward. Um, But obviously in transition, it wasn't very good and they lost possession, there were big holes, the formation and and whatever. So I just, I'm not saying it was a complete all-round performance at the weekend, but I think it, it was inspired by the two men in the middle of the park. Oh, definitely. I thought Devlin was fantastic. But I, I mean, one thing. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. Let's get. We'll get to the big positives in the game before we just talk about the start of the match because Hearts. I mean, to be fair, they didn't start the game particularly well. If there was any period of the game that you could criticise, you could say it was the opening, maybe fifteen minutes, and um, Joe Savage. Actually, funnily enough, I was speaking to him after the game very briefly, and he mentioned that that you know, for first fifteen twenty, he felt we were a bit we were a bit slow out of the traps, but other than that, we were great. Um, but it's one of these things, and I put it on Twitter afterwards, and I think most people agreed with the frustrations. A few people said, well, you know, fans can 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 do what they like. Now, fans can do what they like as long as you know within reason. You know, you know, you're not being uh, abusive. Uh, to to a point of it being something that needs to be called into question, but you know fans want to grumble, they want to moan, they want to boo. They they are within their rights to do that, but it does frustrate me when you've got a game like this. You know, Hearts go into the game on good form. Uh, you know, there's no reason for the fans to be, you know, I think unhappy at the moment. Generally, at the club, we're playing a team with eleven players behind the ball. We knew it would happen with Livingston. You know, they're not having a great season. They're they're kind of a well organised team where that's what they try to do we knew they'd come here and try and frustrate and it was about seven or eight minutes and both jimmy and i were looking at each other just kind of rolling the eyes because you could hear the grumble starting and the few you said it you said it in commentary i'll give you credit for that you said it in commentary it must have been it must have been very audible or was it a case of not many people were making much of a noise it was so quite quiet dead. so it was it was it, it was a tiny minority but when it's quiet early on in a game it doesn't take it doesn't have to be many people, and I think it just it just get, it frustrates me a little bit because I like I know you've got some opinions on it as well. But one thing for me is yeah, it's fine. One one side of the coin is people say, but you should Hearts players should be able to play in that pressure. They should be able to handle that pressure. That's the expectation, and that is true to an extent. I understand that if you 
if you can't play with a little bit of, you know, fan disgruntlement or fans on your back slightly at Tynecastle, then maybe Hearts aren't the team for you. But at the same time, what helps a player more? And some will maybe respond to that. But I think on the whole, if you're at home, what helps the home team and what helps and what is maybe has a negative effect on the away team is if that home crowd is right behind Yes. That home side, there's a noise, there's an encouragement, there's energy going into the home players. And the away side, I think, I th- I, my feeling is when I've watched football, obviously I've not played in front of it, is that, that that's how it works. It, it has an impact on the one side because they feel the pressure um, and it encourages the home side. And I've heard footballers say that. I'm not going to say who, but I've heard players. And, and to be fair, Jimmy said it on air. So he said before, as a player out there, he found it difficult sometimes and he actually confronted fans saying i'm having a hard time here why are you you know this is having a negative effect you're not helping you're not helping here and you know surely you want me to then improve and the team to improve but by giving me a hard time it's actually having a negative effect and i've heard other players say i think jimmy mcdonald mentioned as well do you know that Tynecastle is actually a hard place to play sometimes as a home player it's a hard it's a hard place to play when not everything is going right and it takes a special type of person and character to, to deal with that. Yeah, and to be fair, on the whole, I thought Tynecastle was, was good on Saturday. The atmosphere yeah, was good, was. came out. Really good. But it's just that, and I, th- I think that's what I picked on more because it wasn't a game where I felt there was any necessity for there to be any pocket or spell of disgruntlement. But it was still there. <laughs> it was still there. This isn't 1998. Or, or whatever. This is this is life now. It doesn't take much for people to get annoyed or upset, and 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 it's frustrating. You, the more people that you have at your game, the more likely that something like this is going to happen, and, and and it did, and you you, you play through it. Um, there's an element of a lack of understanding about what is is trying to be done um, among those that are disgruntled, but there's also an element of those who are disgruntled feeling that it isn't good enough, which is their prerogative. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and be a total hypocrite and, and preach, oh, it's a disgrace and, and whatever that fans are, are having a go inside not, 10 minutes. But, I'm not no, saying it's a disgrace. It's one of these where no, I'm no, like, no, it's no, the no, wee, what, it always frustrates me a little fr- bit. It's frustrating, Laurie. I get it. What, what I'm saying is, um, I've probably done that. I've, oh, I've been that person. Probably I've, me I've, as well. I've, <laughs> we all have. And this is the whole being able to see both sides of the story and not sitting on a high horse and realising you've actually got one or two hypocritical skeletons in your closet. So, without being holier than now, come on. just if, if you were one of those who, not frustrated, because there was quite a few of us that might have been frustrated at what we'd seen and I suppose you're you're just as frustrated with the opposition because they're not having any interest in coming and and having a go. They're just trying to frustrate, and they were able to do so ultimately until the 25th minute. But we didn't start playing until probably five or ten minutes before that. Uh, And I thought the first goal was really, really good. And you, you do need patience. And we spoke about it last week. Hearts over the past couple of years has been a team that has struggled with teams coming to Tynecastle and sitting in. So you need that little bit of patience. It's look, If, if you're one of those that, that, that has a goal, I, I don't know what I can say because I'm not going to tell you what to do, but just have a, have a little bit more patience. <laughs> Read the lyrics to the Guns N' Roses song, okay? 
and just have a Not wee take that bit this more time. patience. <laughs> no, because I've just written an article about having patience from, when playing fantasy football and fantasy sports, and and it it is what it is. But we're all pleased. I would like to think ultimately that forget where or how many points we have right now. Because you could nitpick and go, well, we weren't great against Hibs at times or against Aberdeen or, or whatever. If someone had offered you a point behind the leaders with the same goal difference at this stage of the season after seven games, with games at home against Motherwell and Dundee with, a, I think, a trip to Ibrox interspersed between that, of course you're going to take it. And I was exchanging one or two messages about the boxing with the manager at the weekend, randomly. But one thing he did say about the football was, it's starting to come. I can feel it in the squad. That gives me optimism, right? Definitely. And I mean, I think you're right that there's always a degree of hypocrisy because we've both probably been in amongst fans and been completely, you know, unfair, or should we say, or, you know, being getting ahead of ourselves or moaning about things. When it, I think sometimes, yeah, when you're looking at it, maybe from you when you're watching from afar, or me because I'm, you know, stone cold sober in the commentary area, kind of looking down and I suppose having a, a view, which although I'm a fan, it's not the same as being in amongst the supporters. I think it's just one of those where sometimes if you if you do break it down, you're like, right, if, if we had two options, it's like opening eight minutes, team it's not kind of quite coming together if by making by giving the team our you know huge back end getting right behind them making that noise if that helped the game five percent in our favor rather than maybe potentially adding to their nerves and giving the away side some sort of incentive or you know some encouragement for them because they could hear the home fans getting on the back of their players then why would we not do the thing that would give that would do our you know from the stands would do as much as we could, which is always only a small percentage, obviously. It's those in the pitch you have to play. It's just one of those things that always frustrates me slightly. And I think I notice it more now because I'm often away from the the, for, the supporters or not right in amongst them. So it's easy for us to say. But anyway, I just I just thought I'd touch upon it. But we don't want to touch upon it too much. Yeah, I, I, and I get that. I, mean, I was just thinking, you know what? what the, the alternative could easily have been, you're not at the stadium. No one is. It's the same as last season. You're desperate to get back. But it's the immediacy effect, isn't it? It's it's taking things for granted. And, and without going off on a diatribe about people taking things for, for granted, whether it's your favourite football team or, or just life in general, just can we, can we take a step back and can we just look at the league table and can we see us a point behind the leaders? Can we look at the fact we're unbeaten? And just kind of just take a moment because everything's a hundred miles an hour in life. Just yeah, th- this is this isn't bad. This is getting deep. We, no, I, I don't want it to get too deep. We were <laughs> dreadful, absolutely dreadful the season that we went down, and we deserved. Look, people talk about the way it, it went down, um, and we went down, or we were demoted, and we're not going to go over old ground there. And it was unfair at the time, but I would be looking back now with kind of a little bit more time to, to, to think about that. I don't I don't think we would have got any further than than where we were. I think we would have gone down if the whole season had, had been played. We'll never know. But the difference between then and now 
is night and day. The players he's brought in, the average <clears> age of the squad, the hunger, the Cami Devlin's in there. There's such a big change now. And the, there's so many more positives about this. But you know what, Lonnie? With positives and with performances and with an unbeaten record after seven games and with just a point behind the leaders comes an expectation. That mm-hmm. bar has now been raised. And it's up to us to deal with that as, as players, as a team, because the fans, quite rightly so, will look at this and say, yeah, we're all right. This is, you said at the start of the season, I think we'll finish third. And I was like, ooh, not so sure about that. Um, however, there's an expectation level now and... It's a a quality that Hearts fans will expect because we have seen that quality more often this season than than we saw pretty much in the entirety of the last season in the top flight. Yeah, I think the one thing that I noted down before we came on that sums it up, we've won four games in seven in the Premiership so far this season. Before that, so obviously before we had to start getting the Championship, we won four games in the previous 37 Premiership matches. So I think that <laughs> shows the, how much progress has been made. Even Ian McLeod is happy. Yeah, it, yes, right Ian McLeod, friend of the show, previous guest, said he's even he's on the Robbie Nielsen bandwagon. And I said, can I hold you to that? And he said, until I brooks. Um, yeah, so. and, and you know what? <laughs> Knowing Ian McLeod, if hearts go tits up against Motherwell this weekend, he won't be waiting we're to not, Ibrox. We're not waiting to Ibrox. Well, he's not waiting to Ibrox to have a go. No. So you're only you're only as good as your last game. But last game was good. We have to continue that against a decent Motherwell side this weekend. Yes. Well, let's quickly go. So, I mean, the, again, we're not going to break the game down into each phase of play. But you mentioned the first goal, which was a really nice finish from Boyce. Great work from Barry Mackay on the right, clipping the ball over. And I think uh, we'll talk about. Well, let's just talk about Smith and Cochran kind of back to back here because. It's Cochrane who sets this up for Michael Smith. Cochrane in the box on the left or at the edge of the box. Michael Smith, 10 yards from goal, cracking a fine goal with a, a shot past the goalkeeper on his less favoured left foot. Seemed to enjoy um, cupping the ears with that one as well, Michael Smith. Now, both Smith and Cochrane have come under a bit of criticism from us as well as others. Not huge criticism, but in, in terms of it being the weaker area of the team going forward, those wing backs. I thought on Saturday it showed that they can, certainly maybe not every week, but they can at times provide us with attacking threat that maybe we've doubted from them because both of them got on the score sheet and both of them got up so often. And I think one thing with Michael Smith that I thought worked quite well, Barry Mackay was happy to go and hug the touchline, so Michael yep. Smith just roamed inside. Mm-hmm. Which is, and that's why he ended up where he did. I mean, he, he scored it from the left-hand side, having come in from the right. It was a really good finish, taken first time. Now, a lot of the Atalanta goals that they scored wing-back to wing-back, one assists to the other, were basically crossing from the right to deep to the far post and then coming in as the left wing-back or vice versa. This was Michael Smith in a more central position. When you speak about criticism of, of Cochrane and Smith, part of that might have to do with the way that the team was set up in that if, if they've got the kind of the shackles on and, and they're prevented from, or the way the tactics are, from getting forward as, as much, it's very difficult to kind of defy that. If you want, like Michael Smith, to get into the opposition box like he did at the weekend, if your tactics say just be a little bit more cautious, then you're not going to get them both as much. So maybe 
the shackles are off a little bit more. Maybe there's a little bit more freedom because the manager's got the two central midfielders or defensive midfielders that he wants. Because you know you're now getting protection, whether it's from Barry Mackay dropping back or Ben Woodburn. But your main protection is coming from the two in front of the back three that allows the wing-backs to get forward in possession. And crucially, Laurie, they provide the width or someone provides the width because there were times, and I, I commentated on Alaves against Atletico Madrid at the weekend, and, and bizarrely, the team at the bottom of the table having lost all five, Alaves beat Atleti by scoring a set piece and then sitting tight, not much room between defence and midfield, but in the central area, just crowding that whole central box. And they were forcing Atleti to go out wide. And they, the, the delivery wasn't good enough. So what Livy did was try and pack that kind of midfield area, the central area, which meant Hearts had to kind of go out wide or, or in behind. And you need a good, a good bit of skill. I just, I mean, McGowan was straight on the WhatsApp. Um, I know you were commentating at the time. He just simply said, great goal. Uh, footballers get it. They, they recognise a, a, a good goal like the rest of us. But when it's a team goal, when it's involving as many players as it yeah. did and it comes like that, that that is how to break down the team because it was played with pace. How many of those, once the ball's delivered from the right, how many times did a Hearts player take two touches? The answer is zero. It was cut back and it was hit first time. There was no second touch. Moving it quicker, that's what we've been asking for. And that was a brilliant opening goal. It was, and a second goal was added through Liam Boyce from the penalty spot, won by Cammy Devlin. No real doubt about the spot kick. I just wanted to mention Liam Boyce's. It was won by Benny Beningamy, was it not? Sorry, Benny Beningamy, yeah. Devlin to Beningamy. They combined. It was a combination. But no, you're right. It was Beningamy. There, cha- there were challenges on them both. There was a challenge on Devlin. I kind of thought, ooh, and then the next one came and I was like, oh, it's got to be. There wasn't that. I don't think it was a penalty with the Devlin one, but yeah, Beningamy no. definitely tripped Beningamy by Williamson. Um, but Liam Boyce, now that's, so that's 51st appearance, 27 goals for Hearts, uh, 12 assists. So that means if you want to call it, I know they sometimes refer to it this way, directly involved there in 39 goals in his 51 appearances for Hearts. Hey, Just, someone, someone that's on him at 40 to 1 for top scorer. Hey, get as many penalties as you want. What in commentary? What was that I was watching? It wasn't your commentary? Those? I'm sure, it was someone else. Um, was talking about never any doubt. Liam Boyce. Oh, it was it was Borthwick at half time. Borthwick was going on about nah, never any doubt. Once once he started, you know he's going to score. He missed his last one. And yep. He followed up and he scored. So um, it, three it's out of four penalty. this season. Three out of four this yeah. season. And and the fourth one that he missed, he ended up scoring. But I don't care if we had Matt Letizier in his penalty record. There's just something that that's not split second, but the, the 30 seconds or so between the award of the penalty and the taking of the penalty. There's just, I don't know if it's being a Hearts fan, if it's being Scottish or if it's just being a natural pessimist and this could go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> But it didn't. It was a good penalty. Keeper moved early and he, he slotted at home well. And yeah, as, as someone on, on him at 40 to 1, A, that was. Remember the conversation we had prior to the start of the season? Thinking, what, what price do you reckon that Liam Boyce would be? And the both of us agreed if we get double digits on Liam Boyce, we'd do it each way, of course. And then when they came out, I can't remember who it was, whoever I've got it with, 40 to 1. Oh! <gasps> So please stay fit. Please keep banging them in. 
and we'll be able to afford more sponsorship of uh, <laughs> of Hearts men and, and women's jerseys if that one comes in. There's a there's a promise for you. Indeed. If we, here we go. If Liam if oh, yeah, oh, gonna, uh, if Liam Boyce is top scorer this year, I'll use part of my winnings to sponsor his jersey next year. If it's not going to be a continuation sponsor by his, his current one, and I won't ask you because that was unfair last week. And I say <laughs> right. <laughs> this is what we're going to do. Okay, what we're going to do? Well, you're going to give me money. Why? Because we've just sponsored a jersey. Okay, okay. So yes. Anyway. So yeah, Liam Boyce too. No, we talked about Alex Cochran who added a third in the second half. Could easily have grabbed another couple of goals. Uh, but I just want to very quickly mention. So Cami Devlin got um, one of the Man of Match awards, which I thought was very justified his first start actually since the 4th of june so almost four months since he's started a senior game and i didn't think it showed at all he gets it doesn't he not just his performance and part of that might be on adrenaline but he wants to keep himself fit he knows this is a chance of a lifetime hearts scottish premiership stepping stone so stepping stone, whether you're at Celtic and you're Virgil van Dijk and you go to Southampton, having been at Groningen, you end up at Liverpool. It's a stepping stone for, for others because you don't go. It's very rare for you to go in the A-League in Australia straight. And I mean, unless you're a ridiculously, prodigiously talented youngster, that's the next big thing. It's highly unlikely you're going to go from there to one of the best teams in the Premier League. I'm not saying Cammy Devlin's going to do that, but anybody at Hearts or any, anybody in Scotland, you you have an opportunity to treble, quadruple, even more your wages by going down south. But you've got to perform at Hearts. And I've got no issue whatsoever. And people are saying, oh, uh, staying at Hearts and, and this should be where it is. No, 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 no. We, we want our players to do as well as they can. And we want them to move on because them moving on means that they've attracted interest because of what they've done at the football club. Of course, we want our best players to stay. But if you want them and they're under contract, and I know Suter's hopefully going to sign a deal that will be in the best interest of both parties and it doesn't leave for nothing at the end of the season. That's another argument for another day. But we want our best players under contract and we want to be um, recompensed fully if they move on. Um, and that's that's how we... That's how we grow as a football club. That's how any team grows as a football club. Identification of talent, uh, opportunity for talent, but it's up to talent to perform to a level that there's interest elsewhere. And it's a small sample size, but that's that's a good start. Barry Mackay completed his first 90 minutes since April last time out against Ross County, so made a second start for Hearts. And... You know, similar to Devlin, despite him being a fairly new signing, not been playing you know regular football over the last few months, just looks like he's slotted right in, and just the type of player that gets gets bums off seats, as they say. The first goal, I love the drop of the shoulder, lovely yep. burst of pace, and I think he's going to be such a big player for us. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know how we were able to get him. Um, I think his preference was a championship club, but it didn't come about. Hearts were very persistent, very keen. I've been very interested in, in reading the, the content and listening to to the stuff about Joe Savage and from Joe Savage and, and Robbie Nielsen and how they go about 
trying to persuade someone to come to the football club where they may have better offers. Um, I think from, if it's a financial thing, there's not much we can do about it because we have our limits. But if it's a, well, they're offering pretty much the same to go there as we are here, I think more often than not, we're going to win that battle because of the city, because of the club, because of the facilities. Um, and to get Barry Mackay, and that, that, there's the other thing as well, not so much straight away talking about players coming to the football club and having immediate aspirations to, to move on. It, their immediate aspirations should be to perform to a level that they believe they're capable of or going beyond that. And for some of these players, it should be national team recognition. Now, Barry Mackay is is someone, in, and excuse my kind of ignorance and in not realising if he's played for Scotland before, I think he played once. He's got one cap. Right? He's got yeah. one cap against France, I think it was. Yeah. So, again, at an age of, what is Barry, 26, 25, 26, he's got to think, you know what? It's a tough part of the national team to, to make inroads in. But if you play well, I mean, you, you saw some of the the players that were called into the squad last um, last time out. Um, Paul McGinn, I think, as a right back and ended up making his debut because of of an injury. If you can perform uh, well on a consistent basis, then you'll get noticed. Once you get noticed and you keep doing it, then hopefully you take it to the next level. So it's all about individual incentivizing. And for Barry Mackay to get back in the Scotland squad's got to be got to be his first uh, his first task. And it's a long way off. Don't get me wrong. Slightly surprised that that Suter isn't in the squad. However, it might have something to do with them not really wanting him to be in the last squad. He picked up the knock at the weekend, maybe just letting him kind of rest a wee bit. Uh, so hopefully that doesn't mean that John, who wasn't in the Scotland squad to face Israel and the Faroe Islands, will not be available at the weekend. Hopefully he will be. Um, but I, I think Suter, Mackay, I mean, Cammy Devlin, once he played at the Olympics, he wants to... He'll have his eye on the World Cup next year for, for Australia. And um, and who knows how many other Aussies are potential um, for, for Hearts to keep tabs on over the next few months. Right, let's move on to our next segment, which is Maroon Memories. Those drinks bring back all the memories And the memories bring back memories Bring back your Now, with Motherwell coming to Tynecastle this coming weekend, I thought it would be apt to look back to another game when the Steelmen travelled to Gorgie for a league game. Now this match we're looking at is from September 2002 in the SPL. This is Craig Levine, Mark 1 at Hearts. Uh, it was a very busy transfer window actually that summer. Uh, Hearts with a bit of an overhaul Losing the likes of Tam Flugel, Steve Fulton, Gary McSwigan, Stefan Adam, Robert Tomashek, Antti Niemi left eventually towards the end of the transfer window. And in came the likes of Mark De Vries, Jean-Louis Valois, Phil Stamp, Kevin Twaddle, Neil McFarlane. So there was a big overhaul at the Hearts, um, of the Hearts squad. A solid start to the season, to say the least. Away draws with Dundee and Aberdeen, a thumping home win against Hibs, 
a routine 2-0 against Dunfermline. 1-1 draw with Kilmarnock. And then first defeat of the season just came a few days before this match. That was a 2-0 loss at Ibrox, uh, Ibrox on the Wednesday night before the Tynecastle game against Motherwell. Now this is back when, for younger listeners to this, I don't know if they might not remember this, but it seems so weird now to think back, Mark, but this is when the BBC had the TV rights. Mm-hmm. And you got three o'clock game on a Saturday, live, on terrestrial TV. No, you didn't. No, on a Saturday, you didn't. Was it not a Saturday, this game? Sorry. No, no. Oh, was it a um, Sunday? Sorry. It was a Sunday game, yeah. There's this blackout between 2.45 and 5 or 5.15. I, that's yeah. what I was wondering why it was... Yeah, BBC have never had um, live rights to show... No one's had live rights to show games at 3 o'clock on a Saturday. How long has that been? Because um, I looked at it and I, that's what surprised me at first. I was like, oh Christ, it was 3 o'clock, those BBC games. But no, it wasn't. It was Sunday 3. Yeah, it was Sunday 3. Now, we've had... We've had I mean, it's it's never... I remember the Aberdeen game in April 86, I think, was one of the first live... It was a fine fair Premier League that season. That was on a Sunday when we went a goal down and drew one all with Aberdeen. But that, I mean, so it's, it's I think it's it's forever been thus that you've never been allowed in the UK to show a match live on a Saturday afternoon between 2.45 and I think it's 5 o'clock. Because we've had some random kickoff times. It's even quarter past, it's, it's quarter past five. It's quarter past five. Because, yeah. because, um, because like when they had the, I think it was El Clasico, you missed the first 15 minutes That's when right. it kicked off it at five. Five o'clock kickoff, yeah. It's just the way it is. It's not, it's not ideal, uh, but it, it was done to to prevent people from no, no. staying away it, yeah. from, from football. Yeah, but we've had like a six o five. I think we had that on a Sunday night um, many years ago with Sky. Sky had but, Saturday yeah. kind of dinner dinner time ones for a bit. I remember there was I a derby. Yeah, I think we had a, did they have a five thirty kickoff or was it six o five on a Saturday? I think it was something, something stupid like six thirty five. Um, and we, we I remember we lost to I think we lost Hibs three 0 Remember the Millennium Derby? I'm sure that was like a Saturday. Anti Niemi's debut. Yeah. But no, okay, it was a Sunday, three o'clock. But just yeah, this was Sunday. even even the you know having a live game on terrestrial TV in the in the top flight, uh, it seems weird to think back on now. Although when you look at the crowd, it maybe had an impact because the Sunday the Sunday three o'clock live BBC crowd at Tynecastle was eight and a half thousand in September yeah. two thousand and two, which for a, you know considering Hearts had started the season pretty well, stuck five goals past Hibs just the month previous. It's um a pretty low, a lot of pretty low. Yeah, that, number. that that five one against Hibs wasn't sold out. No, and it, was, it was less than fifteen and a half thousand there, and and we look now. I think there was more than sixteen thousand at that game at the weekend against yes, Livingston. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm trying to. Th- I think the first year that that things started to kind of steamroller along was oh five oh six. Yeah. When I, I'm, I can't remember if there was or, or wasn't a wait list for season tickets, but it was getting the interest was getting real because prior to that, anyone that just started going to Hearts games and like from 2005 onwards probably doesn't remember there being four figures in the the home crowds like Laurie mentioned for this Motherwell game as well. I mean, I've been at games at Tynecastle with with just over five thousand for midweek shitty games when we're doing really poorly, so. I think for, for the club in general to 
continue. Since 2005, that's 16 years ago, our average crowd has, has been very impressive. And I, I don't know about you. I'm always one of these. I just want an, a higher average crowd than Hibs. I want to finish a, a goal above them if we're finishing level. I just want every, I want everything we do to be better than Hibs, whether it's average attendance or, or whatever. And when we built a new stand, I'm thinking, why have you built that new stand with that capacity? Can you not have it so that we're like <laughs> yeah, one more seat more than Hibs? It's just it's childish, but it, it's daft. But the, yeah, eight thousand, eight and a half thousand for this model. It was not always thus. No, with these no. sixteen thousand crowds at home. No, indeed. Um, so looking at the Hearts team, it was a four-four-two. This is football was simpler back then, even though it's only nineteen years ago. Um, it was it was the, the era of the four-four-two wingers and playing quite direct with a big man and a little man up front still. Uh, Roddy McKenzie was in goals, Alan Mary right back, Paul McMullen, just 18 at the time, playing left back, Kevin McKenna making his 50th appearance for Hearts alongside Captain Stephen Presley in the centre of defence, Stephen Boyack was on the right of midfield, Jean-Louis Valois on the left, Phil Stamp alongside Scott Severin in the centre, and up front Andy Kirk, partnered by Mark DeFries, who played his 7th game and would get his 7th goal for Hearts <laughs> in this game against a Motherwell team in administration. They would, I think they were in administration for about two years back then, weren't they? Um, managed by Terry Butcher, and because of the administration, it was partly why the likes of 19-year-old James McFadden was in the starting 11, 20-year-old Stephen Hamill. But despite that, they'd recorded a shock win over Celtic on the Tuesday night. Um, two seasons out of the top four for Hearts prior to this, Jim Jeffries leaving... Um, just before that, Craig Levine coming in, cutting costs. So it was it was a transitional period for Hearts until this season. Um, and although they started the season well, they didn't start this game particularly well. We'll have a quick no. listen to a couple of the moments in the first 28 minutes. McAdams lofts it over Stephen Presley's head to James McFadden. Still McFadden. That's a great ball in for Lehman! Doug Lehman from Motherwell! 12 minutes played, brilliant from McFadden, and it's Lehman's second goal of the season. Derek Adams with the corner kick, Singevald was there, and James McFadden has scored! 2-0 Motherwell, and it's McFadden who took a painful one as he headed the ball home. So, 12th minute. A long ball, James McFadden twisting and turning on the left, takes on Stephen Presley, does really well to get across into the box, and it's former Hibs man Dirk Lehman who smashes in a cracking volley with a slight deflection, and then for 16 minutes later, corner floated in, headed back into the danger area, and James McFadden with a really brave header under pressure from Severin from 8 or 9 yards out makes it 2-0. A bit of a shock around Tynecastle at this point, but this is when James McFadden was um, really the the next great hope, wasn't he, in Scottish football? He was, but I remember the, the time before that, they were paying fortunes for players, um, Motherwell, and that, that got them into the trouble that they were in. And I was going to use Motherwell as an example of, of a team who had to give youngsters an opportunity, and they were one of the the kind of first to, to do that. And who knows if we would have had the same career from James McFadden if he didn't have the same experience uh, as a teenager. 
as he got. And that was ultimately due to the financial mismanagement of a football club, which some of the money that they spent back then, I mean, I'd be interested to, not for a kind of broadcast, but just if you had a few beers with Lee McCulloch during his time there, because remember, we, um, we, I think we bid a million. I think there was a 750 bid. Um, and I know he went down south, Lee McCulloch, but Andy Gorham was getting fortunes in goal and, and Pat Nevin was there and, and they just spent what they didn't have. And now they're a very, very well run football club, Motherwell. But, but back then, we, this, this kind of game was, as you mentioned, it was, it was, did you say post administration or still coming out? No, that was early on. That was early on in administration. Right. So, so, so it's just, it's just, it's just happened. It's, it's not long happened. And this was the kind of, okay, what now stage or chapter of the football club? And, yeah, I don't know if James McFadden would have had the career. I mean, he's a talented, talented individual. But I suppose the same can be said for for when we had to give youngsters a chance. Um, yeah, not not all of them are going to make the top, but some of them might have overachieved or achieved their potential um, because they got an opportunity. Whereas those that are desperate for an opportunity and don't get it for whatever reason um, can look back and maybe be frustrated at that. But yeah, I mean. Just looking at that Motherwell team, the mixture of youth and experience. I mean, Ian Russell on the bench. And Stevie Hamill was just 20 years old. He developed into a real good player as well. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it, it was still the remnants of the bad old days of overspending and and daft decision making. But I tell you what, when we went to, when we went two goals down in that game, um, I suppose it was panic stations because we, we we weren't used to 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 kind of such a, a scenario at home because as you mentioned no. we'd only been beaten 2-0 by Rangers that was our only defeat of the season but what came after the 2-0 was was, was typical a typical Craig Levine side it was in the in the first spell because I'm not saying I enjoyed the football in the first spell some of it was fine but I enjoyed a lot of the results because we, we we did alright and we never knew when we were beaten in certain games and this was one of them yeah, I mean, 10 minutes to go in the first half. Mark De Vries wins a free kick out on the left touchline and Jean-Louis Valois curls into the box and it's De Vries who nods it in and it's an important time to get a, a goal back. We'll just have a quick listen to it now. In from Jean-Louis Valois. The header from Mark De Vries gets Hearts back into the game. His seventh goal in six games for Hearts. It's now 2-1. So De Vries getting Hearts back into the game, and he was obviously such an important player for those uh, two seasons. So many goals, so effective. And I think at that time, Craig Levine's style of football, and the style of football, you know, I'm I'm not even jesting when I say that. You look back, and it was very different. It was all 4-4-2. It was about kind of strength up front, having a target man, getting the ball into the box, and De Vries was just so effective. He was perfect for the for the game in the SPL at that time. But Craig Levine signed players that he knew would work to the formation that, that he selected. And he wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna say right a four three three and have those players. Everyone knew what their role was. And you spoke earlier about Severin and Stamp in the middle of the park. I know it was only third appearance for, for Hearts for Phil Stamp. But that is a that is a Craig Levine midfield, isn't it? It's hard working. Mm-hmm. It's got a bite to it as well. It might not be the most skillful, but there's enough skill in there. Um, I was never a big Stephen Boyack fan, but he did all right for the football. He was he was one of those you either 
yeah, I like him. Or, nah, I'm not fussed for him. I was always the kind of, I'm not sure. But, yeah, he scored in that game. And he, he did okay. He was never a, I wouldn't say he's a maroon mammary. But he, <laughs> he, 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 he did fine. He was, Stephen Boyack with tits. What would that look like? Stop. <laughs> anyway, 2-1 down at the break. A very open game. And Hearts certainly start to control things in the second half. They got to grips with the game and in the 64th minute, this happened. They seem to look even stronger with a three. And that's the way it is here at Tynecastle. Motherwell 2-1 up. The Hearts threatening with McMullen. Useful ball in. It's 2-2. Andy Kirk. From 2-0 down, they've scored the game. First of Reese, then Kirk's second goal of the season. Great work from young Paul McMullen. He, he was a player who looked very promising at that time, just a teenager. Yeah, um, flicks it away from his man, whips across into the box, and it's Andy Kirk with an excellent header. Good leap, bulling it, bulleting it into the left of the net. Poor defending from Motherwell to leave him free, but good header from Kirk. And I always liked Andy Kirk. I, say he, I think for a long time he was the closest to that kind of penalty box, penalty box poacher, the fox in the box that we've, always struggled to find since John Robertson. Yeah, a finisher. Gary Wales was another one who um, maybe it might have worked out differently for Gary. Maybe he might have kicked on, but out of the two, because they, they played, they, they were at the club for a, a fair chunk of time to, together, and out of the two, I, I, I thought they were both good finishers, but Kirk, for me, just there was an instinctive nature about yeah, his finishes. Yeah. And um, yeah, Certainly wasn't as as proficient um, or as good as John Robertson, but I can see the similarity. It's like a poor man's robo in that it's just right place at the right time. But the good thing about that was that was the early stages of their partnership, um, mm-hmm. him and De Vries. Yeah, they played together in the derby, of course, when Mark got four. But it, it was it was it was a a good partnership because they they got each other, didn't they? Yeah, they did, and um, it was. Actually, Stephen Boyack, like you mentioned, who got hearts ahead 10 minutes later. Jean-Louis Valwa having a look. Scott Severin. And bags of room for Alan Mabry to float this into the box. Adams was there, but it falls for Valwa. Here's a chance. Stephen Boyack. 3-2 hearts. The comeback is complete. So, it's again, it sums up the... The change in in style, or what, how different it was back then, and how kind of focused it was on crosses. I mean, early ball from Alan Mabry from the right, Jean Louis Valois getting in at the back post after the Motherwell defence couldn't clear, volleys it across the box, and it's Stephen Boyack who slides the ball home, home through a few bodies into the bottom left corner with his first and last Hearts goal. Was certainly not prolific, but it puts Hearts ahead, and then three minutes later. And here's an opportunity for another goal. It's Andy Kirk. It's 4-2. Kirk second, Hearts fourth. This really is a remarkable recovery. So this is your kind of basic stuff again. It's Phil Stamp who just launches the ball from kind of edge of his own box into the Motherwell half over the top and they've had to start committing players forward. Andy Kirk goes through one-on-one and just slides the ball past Stevie Woods into the Motherwell goal to make it 4-2 to Hart. So it, it's a very Levine sort of game, I think, as you said. Um, 
you know, not always the tidiest. It's not always the, you know, the best technical football, but it was simple. He liked to get the ball either through the middle and use the height and strength of De Vries or get out wide and get crosses into the box. And I think what he had was, so he, he had Mark De Vries, I think he usually partnered him with Kirk, but then it was Wales or there was even Graham Weir as his kind of mm-hmm. little, little man partner. And if De Vries was out, we just had to use the Hail Mary of throw Kevin McKenna up to be the target man. Well, Kevin McKenna also played right midfield in certain games, not so much as a, yeah. a starter, although <laughs> although he did, but it was the kind of, okay, they've got a diminutive left back, let's try this. And um, I'm trying to remember the Stuttgart game when they eventually pushed Petrich up front. Um, Petrich and James, Kevin, yeah. They were Kevin James was playing that game as well, yeah, and that was just, it, it, was, shell, it was like shelling them up. I want to rewind to um, to the Boyack goal. I would have lost money if you'd said to me oh, more or less than two goals did Stephen Boyack get for Hearts. I would have thought at least two. I didn't know that was his only goal for Hearts. No, I didn't. I, I knew he got very few. Until I double-checked that before this, I wouldn't have been able to confidently say it was only one. But I knew he didn't score very often. Yeah, yeah. But, no, I, I mean... A good, win, resilient win because you were two 0 down. Okay, let's see what you're made of. But yeah, I, I didn't mind uh, because we had we had some decent success under Levine as far as results. I mean, Bordeaux, um, he, he basically had De Vries up front on his own and put six in it across. He just jammed the midfield and it and it worked. Albeit it was a bit harder at home because we didn't really know how to hold on to a lead and we lost two 0 at Tynecastle. But we had some. We had some good times at Levine. I mean, look, 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 Craig Levine is what he is. He's he's never going to kind of. I don't think he's going to outsmart you as far as a, a tactician is concerned. But I think he'll get every last ounce of energy out of his players. Um, as far as the first time round is concerned, second time round we've been over that one. But the first time round, it was all right. It, yeah. it was fine, and then he then he went to Leicester, and and we moved on. It was a very different league, I think, in terms of the quality. It was, and it was. Rangers and Celtic. I mean, again, if someone's Miles young, ahead. if someone's younger and thinks Rangers and Celtic are, or Celtic at least in recent years, and Rangers last year have been dominant and are much better. I mean, it was a whole other level back then. And if you look at the the final league table that season, Hearts had a very good season. They got back up into the top three. They finished third. They actually managed to beat Celtic that season. Hearts at 63 points. Not a bad return. Celtic no. and Rangers both finished on 97 points that season. Just look, looking, at, yeah, looking at that weekend, Laurie, Rangers and Celtic had both played seven. They both won six. Rangers had drawn one. Celtic had lost one. So that dropping points was kind of, oh my God, Rangers and Celtic have dropped points. That was what it was like back then. Was I surprised last weekend when, or whatever weekend it was, when, when Celtic lost at Livy and, and Rangers drew, I, I think, at home to Motherwell? Kind of. It was a bit of a surprise, but it wasn't a, oh my God, they've dropped points. No. Because no. Back, back then, the quality that they had was, was frightening. I mean, what's that, 2002, 2003? Yeah. That was the season that, that Celtic had just been playing in Seville um, yeah. against Porto in the, in the UEFA Cup final. I mean... Rangers scored 101 league goals that oh, season and Celtic right. scored 98. They both had plus over 70 positive goal difference. And Hearts oh. were the next team and they had plus six. It's just, <laughs> you know, it's like... Wow, really? Yeah. 
It's just mental. 34 points um, behind them both and with almost <laughs> 70 uh, poorer goal difference in each team. Um, 70? Crazy. Wow. Yeah, indeed. And we still managed to beat Celtic, as you'll remember, Austin McCann that season. Oh, God. Let's put a stamp on a passport that sends hearts to Europe. Wasn't a bad line. Anyway, um, it was a good win for Hearts. Man of the match, <laughs> given by Gordon Smith, was Scott Severin. And Hearts won 4-2 on a, a decent season. And that will bring us on to the present day. So this weekend, it's Hearts against Motherwell again at Tynecastle. Not live on the BBC. Live on Hearts TV, if you want to tune in. Um, big game for both Hearts and Motherwell, Mark. This is third against fourth, and this is two form teams. Motherwell on a run of four wins and a draw in their last five, and that draw being at Ibrox. A very solid keeper, Liam Kelly, who I think was just called up for Scotland, wasn't he, today? <laughs> yeah, there's lots of ar- people are now oh, arguing dear, dear. on social media on, on second and third choice Let's, goalkeepers. Yeah. Johnson fans not happy. doesn't matter who the second and third yeah, choice goalkeepers but, are these days. There's only one number one, and he's ours. Exactly. Um, but, uh, you know, it's been a really positive run for Motherwell, which is why they sit just a point behind Hearts. We know how well Hearts have been playing in the early start to the campaign, both uh, them and Hibs, the only two unbeaten sides left in the league. This is going to be a test. This is going to be yeah. a much tougher game than Livingston, who, you know, I think it was good that we played a team who set up to frustrate and we managed to break them down and comfortably win. We've often, frust- you know, we've often been frustrating and we've often faltered in those games. But this is not a team who will be as poor as Livingston. No, and... Uh- I might be a little bit out of out of touch when it comes to opposition players because all, like, all my focus and, and energies on Hearts and the players that we've got. And I'm just going through the, the Motherwell team that, that went to Ibrox, and it's a kind of four-three-three with the ball, but it'll be a four-five-one without the ball. And Tony Watt, we remember Tony Watt's having a really good season. Yeah, five um, goals this season. Yeah, and um, good addition um, to, to Motherwell. But I'll be honest. I mean, Van Veen and Slattery and Woolery and Mugabe and Oyala, they could pass me in the street. I wouldn't have a clue who they were. They would say the same about me, of course. But I'm just saying that the, the sum of their parts, it's not like, oh, I know him and, and he's doing well. To get a one-all draw, having gone a goal down at Ibrox, and Graham Alexander deserves praise for that. And they'll be, they'll be a tough nut to crack. But one of the intriguing things for me about this game is I think Motherwell will believe they can come and get three points at Tynecastle, which means I think they'll have a goal. Not daft, but I don't think you'll see Livingston-type tactics from Motherwell because they'll have identified weaknesses in the Hearts game. Um, I think they would have looked at that victory over Livingston, but they will also have looked at the the time before against Ross County and know that regardless of the formation, that there are weaknesses. So I think that suits Hearts a little bit more than, than Livingston. And for those that want to boo after eight minutes... Um, yeah, you you might have a team that actually wants to have a go in opposition to Hearts this weekend, and big weekend, top two playing, third and fourth playing, and something's got to give when Rangers face face Hibs. So yeah. Hearts and Motherwell hoping to to capitalise. Yeah, because I mean it's it's, and I know it's <laughs> I know it's just because they're on different days, but I do like that incentive, you know. So on Saturday it's Dundee United Ross County, Livingston St Mirren, St Johnson Dundee, and Hearts Motherwell, which means yep. 
the winner, if the winner, it, winner goes top, winner goes top because on Sunday it's Aberdeen Celtic, which to be honest could go either way. Well. Rangers Hibs, to be honest, could go either way. So there's a big incentive there for Hearts mm-hmm. before the international break, uh, before you know the next game, which is going to be a tricky away game with Rangers. You want to win that game. You want to end. You kind of I say end, but you want to go into that break on a high. And if you can go top, I mean that would just be fantastic. It would be great, and I'm thinking for, for, for a team selection. If John Souter's back, is it just a simple him for Taylor Moore? It's a tricky one, because I thought Taylor Moore was excellent. He was. On Saturday. Um, that said, it wasn't the most testing of games defensively. It, it's... It, <laughs> It's going to be a, it's going to be one of these where you know and I think Robin Nielsen's been talking about that. That's one of his challenges this season. He's going to have to leave players out and not because they're yeah. bad, but because mm-hmm. he's now and got... not not just to the team either. No, he was squad, saying that yeah. in the article in the squad. You've got to show me in training that you, if you're a fringe player, that you you deserve to be in the eighteen. Never mind in the starting eleven to begin with. Because I think that's the only question mark. I think everything else in the team you keep unless there's an injury. You keep that starting eleven. From Livingston, don't you? I think they'll, they'll... Yeah, I think so. I think what you have to hope for as well is you have to hope for. I mean, Gary Mackay, Stephen came on for for Barry Mackay, played the last thirteen. Andy Halliday came on as well, and Nondwie. I was actually pleased when Nondwie came on because I think Boyce needs a little bit of a rest. Not 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 playing him. Not 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 playing him. Anyway, um, but I've, we've spoken before about him chasing because he'll he'll chase forever. Liam Boyce, he's that type of character, but he needs a bit more support, a bit more help. And and what were we? I think it was just before um, Cochrane scored our thirds. So we're two 0 up, and I don't think Nondwie as a, a lone striker weakens the team that much in place of Boyce. But it gave Boyce a, an extra half an hour that he didn't have to do running around. Mm-hmm. So what Nondwie and Halliday and Mackay Stephen have got to accept is that it's highly unlikely unless there's a, a guy coming back from injury or suspension who's a mainstay in the first team, and that's a decision that Robbie Nielsen's got to make with regards to John Souter, it's highly unlikely that Nondier, Halliday and Mackay Stephen will, will, will start. You're not going to really tweak something that, that really worked, I think. So it's up to them to take it the right way, to channel their energy into getting a chance off the bench like they did last week, and... Making making it count when when they come on. Um, I know Haring got a, a kind of last kick of the ball or or whatever for Halkett, but I don't change it. I don't change it. If Suter's back. It's Suter or Moore for me because I don't want to start playing Moore on the left hand side and Kingsley. We have a weapon in Stephen Kingsley's free kick, and right now playing him at left centre back, I'm happy with. Cochrane's got his goal. He'll be flying. Do you know what I really loved about last week, Laurie, and on Instagram on the Hearts? Insta and Twitter accounts, the stills and then the, the, the footage after goals were scored, it was like just sheer delight. Cammy Devlin, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I've seen a pound coin on the ground, I'm so excited. That's the type of character he seems to be. Everything's just like new and shiny and brilliant and bring it on. That's what we want. But everybody was kind of celebrating together. There seems to be a proper unity about this squad, and that should extend hopefully to substitutes that maybe don't start, but know if they get a chance, it might only be 20 minutes, but that's all that Gary Mackay, Stephen, or whatever might need. And by doing that over 20 minutes, it might put him into contention potentially 
for a start after the international break. So, all for one and one for all. There you are. Prediction? <sighs> Maybe not pick a scorer I've... since the last one got injured. <laughs> the old curse of the commentator. Who do we want to to not play this week? Um, Tony Watt. I'm going <laughs> to go one-one. Oh, I would love to say yeah. I'd love to say two-one, but I'd, I, they're all right. They're all right. And um, I, part of me was going to go two-one, but I'm going to go the other way. I'm always wary about predicting wins and maybe a bit of a, a reverse psychology, a one a one all draw um, okay. for 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 this one. What about you? I'm going to go two 0 I'm going to go two 0 because Whoa. yeah, because I think I think we've got enough options. That although they'll be well organised, difficult to break down, and they'll offer a bit more than than Livingston did. I think we'll have enough to to get that goal. And then, unlike Livingston, who seemed content to sit back, regardless of whether it was 1-2 or 3-0, I think they will have to come at us, and they will cause us some problems. We're going to have a wee dicey spell in the second half. We'll be pegged back. The fans will be up in arms as we're getting pushed back. But we've got some pace in attack. We've got some good counter-attack options, and I think we'll pick them off maybe in the last quarter of the game to to add a second and put ourselves top of the table. I'd love that. Anyway, before we go, just to mention good luck to the Hearts women's team who play Hibernian in the Edinburgh Derby. At the time of recording, it's tomorrow. Um, At the earliest, if you're listening, it will be tonight, but you might be listening afterwards. Uh, A tough game. Hibernian much um, more established as a women's side, but we spoke to Charlotte Parker-Smith just last week, I know she was looking forward to these big games coming up, and there's over 6,000 going to be Easter Road, so this will be the biggest ever crowd for a women's club game in Scotland. So good luck to the Hearts team in that one. Uh, we'll be back next week to discuss Heart and Midlothian against Motherwell and anything else that might crop up. But until then, thanks for tuning in. Just the two of us. Just the two of us We can make it if we try